Welcome to Kels Talks, the podcast where I'll be discussing events and topics to do with knowledge, education, lifestyle and society. I'm your host Kelsey Francis and today's episode will focus on racism, where it is in today's society, the Black Lives Matter movement and what needs to be done to help fight inequality. Stay tuned. So today's topic is uh, one that's quite close to my heart. It's something that my family, my friends and I have all experienced in some way in our past and probably recently as well. And it's something I want to delve deeper into and really try to explain the root causes of racism so that we're all on a level playing field before any opinions can be made. So to start things off, I thought I'd give a dictionary definition of what racism is so we all understand. Uh, Racism is defined as prejudice, discrimination or antagonism by an individual, a group, a community or an institution against a person or people based on their membership to a race or ethnic group, typically one that is marginalised or a minority. Now, if I were to break down the definition for you, I'd highlight the first four words, prejudice, discrimination or antagonism. And that refers to anything to do with your views being different for somebody that belongs to a race or ethnicity that isn't yours. That's not just physical abuse. That could be verbal abuse, emotional abuse, manipulation. It's so broad, but people only think about the one aspect, and that's the physical abuse. And while that is a strong and key area of it, that's not the only one. Now, the reason I'm highlighting this specifically is because since George Floyd's death, the only real change has been the number of deaths from police brutality. Now, whether that's the number of actual deaths or the fact that it's just not making social media anymore, I don't know. However, that's not the only area of racism that needed to be addressed. We told companies and governments, you need to make a change. People were talking about divesting in the police and redistributing that fund or all the funds that have been divested into the communities to stop crime from happening or reduce the amount of crime that were happening in in those communities but what has really changed since then there's all these promises and yeah we're going to do this yeah we're going to do that yeah we're going to make sure our board is more diverse and our company's more diverse but there's i would say there's a handful of these companies have actually made that difference and in terms of the government, I mean, we already know nothing has changed. Like we've had, we've had Preeti Patel come out and say the Black Lives Matter movement was a disgrace or disrespectful or whatever word she used. That is a, a complete insult. And that in itself promotes racism. If a senior official within the government that has a following, maybe not a majority following, uh, but she does have fans and she is well respected among the, the conservative voters... If she's coming out and saying things like the Black Lives Matter movement and the protest was disrespectful or disgraceful or whatever word it was, that has such a damaging impact because it kind of, it just puts down the whole fight. We're not fighting for anything except equality. We just wanted to be treated equally. That, that's literally all we're going for. And to say that us standing up and using our voice and our right to protest is, is, is in any way negative. That, for me, is is a symbol of the government and a symbol of what racism is today. Now, I know I've spoken a lot about white versus black racism. Um, 
I just want to highlight racism isn't just white versus black. It's any race being prejudiced, discriminatory or antagonistic to any race. So that includes black people being racist to white people. Now that's a hard truth for people to understand, but it is the truth. Regardless of what's happened in the past, if your actions mirror those of the colonizers, then you are like the colonizers. Now, please understand, I'm not trying to compare the different types of racism and the people that receive different forms of racism. I'm not trying to say that white people experience racism to the same level that black people or Asian people do. That's not what I'm trying to explain. But what I want to convey is that we're trying to build towards equality. And equality means us all being on the same level. That is literally what we're going for. We're not going for us being above them. We're not going for them being slightly above us. That's not the case. We all want to be level. So if your views are divisive, and if your views encourage any kind of disparity between equality, then that's just not going to work. So I want to go back to the point I made before, where everything's changed since George Floyd, but nothing really has changed at the same time. And the reason I'm saying this is because what we've seen is a spike in racism in different areas. So the main one being football, actually. There's been a lot of footballers, Raheem Sterling, Marcus Rashford, Axel Tuanzebe, Lauren James, even Ian Wright, he's not even a footballer anymore. For some reason, people are directing their hatred to these players and, and ex-players, let's call them as well, for genuinely no reason, because something's gone wrong and or a result hasn't gone the person's way. And the only way they feel that they can vent their rage is to be as horribly offensive to that person as they can. And the reason I'm saying nothing's changed is because when these people are taken to court, what do they actually receive? What is the consequence? What's their punishment? There isn't one. In Ian Wright's case, for example, the guy went to court and nothing actually happened to him. He's going about his life perfectly fine. He hasn't really got anything except the court case on, on his record. If we really, well, not if we really, because we know we want to get rid of racism and find some form of equality. If authorities really wanted to get rid of racism or stamp it out, as they continuously say, especially in football, then the consequences for being racist would be so much higher to discourage people from being racist. But they're not. They allow it to happen. And it's a vicious cycle over and over again. When people realise that they can get away with being racist and they can vent their anger out and use race as a way to do so, they're just going to keep on doing it because they know there's no consequence for them doing it. So football is just one area where racism's increased. I've already mentioned the point that diversity quotas were supposed to increase. Well, when George Floyd was murdered, all these companies came out and said, we'll do more for diversity within our company and give more back to the community. But we really haven't seen that. And that in itself is a form. But one of the key areas, again, I've already mentioned this, and now I want to expand is in politics. So 
Boris Johnson, our, our leader, in inverted commas, I'm not sure if people know about his past and what he said, but just to highlight, he referred to black Africans as pickaninnies with watermelon smiles. He compared Muslim women to letterboxes. And he also said that Malaysian women only go to university so that they can find a man to marry. Now, the question that I ask is, how do you feel about this? And the reason I ask that question is because that makes me feel furious. And I'm furious because people still support this guy. The majority in this country still support him. They know that he said this. He said it live on TV and they still support him and still say that he is the person to lead us forward. Now, if our leader is being openly racist and discriminatory towards people that belong to a completely different racial or ethnic group, what sort of precedent does that send to the rest of the nation? To those people that follow him, that support his views, that follow his footsteps and understand what he says and tries to take on board what he says. What does that do? That empowers them. And if you're empowering them with racist views, that is going to spread racism. It's going to fuel it. And that's why we've seen such a spike in racism over the past year. Not just because of things like Brexit and not just because of things like Trump, but because our very leader himself has these views. And it has been allowed by the fact that whenever there is a racist incident, the consequence is minor. So, for example, when we went out and protested in support of Black Lives Matter, what happened after that? People came from everywhere, all over the UK, travelled down on trains and in cars to come and form an anti-protest, which I've never heard of before. And what they did was violent. So the media portrayed the peaceful protest, and I was there, I saw the whole thing, I saw all the videos, it was peaceful. And they portrayed it as the most aggressive, despicable thing that has ever happened in the UK. They said that we were destroying statues and everything, and that really wasn't the case. However, when these anti-protesters, which I'm, I'm not even going to call them that actually, I don't want to grace them with that. When these racists came to the London as an anti-protest, what they did was exactly what the media were portraying the Black Lives Matter protesters were doing. They destroyed things, they fought the police. I was in a park with my friends at the time and they literally, thousands of them, walked through Hyde Park, kicked over picnics, threatened people that were doing absolutely nothing, just getting on with their day. And what I saw... I have video evidence of this as well, was the police simply walking behind them, allowing it to happen. It was only after they caused too much damage when they actually got involved and when they were threatening too many people that they went to stop them. But as I said, if you allow it to happen with no consequence, you're fueling it. And that's what we're seeing, not only in the UK, but also in the US. So another area where racism is increased, or still prominent at least, is among our protective services. So last year, black people were nine times more likely to be stopped and searched than white people. In America, black children playing with toys get shot, black women sleeping in their own beds in their houses get shot, 
black men walking, driving, shopping, they get shot. When white people bring guns and knives, shoot police officers and massacre school children or ethnics in church, they're escorted to the police station, given blankets and water and food and whatever they might need while they're going there, and they're made sure that they're comfortable. What I don't understand is why it's so blatantly obvious that there is discrimination and racism amongst the likes of the police and nothing has happened yet. But it's not just in the police, it's also in the other forms of emergency services. For example, childbirth among black women in New York is significantly more dangerous than white women, where three times more black women died and 60% of these were preventable deaths if they were adequately treated. And this is similar across many major cities in a large number of countries. And recently, I read that in the fire brigade over in the UK, unfortunately, a fireman took his life, a black fireman took his life because he was being racially abused and it was classed as banter. But I guarantee nothing is going to happen to any of those people that were actually bullying him. I just want to make it clear, this isn't me talking down our emergency services. They provide an amazing service and they risk their lives to keep ours safe. But what I want to highlight is that there is still a huge issue amongst them. And this needs to be resolved as soon as possible. Another really obvious area where racism is prominent is in the media. So the BBC used the word nigger live on air. We complained about it and we explained why it's inappropriate. So instead of saying, we're very sorry, it wasn't meant to be offensive, we'll stop doing it. What they did was send out an email explaining that they felt it was necessary to grip the audience and they went and said it again the following week in a completely different story. I've already mentioned Raheem Sterling and other footballers being subject to targeted journalism by multiple newspapers just for living their lives. But when white footballers do the exact same thing, the headlines are positive and the players are praised for doing the actions. Those committing acts of terror are labelled terrorists and have an aggressive picture shown unless they're white, where they're labelled troubled or disturbed with their heartbreaking story described and a happy picture shown. Elsewhere in the world, Uyghur Muslims are being enslaved, murdered, raped and forced to work for some of the largest institutions in China, but nothing's happened to these authorities. It's simply being allowed, and it's being allowed not only by Western countries, it's also being allowed by the Muslim countries that are supposed to be protecting their people simply because China is a strong trade partner. All of these examples lead me to one question, and that is, what is the cause of racism? What's the root source behind people being racist? And from what I've sort of read and what I've tried to understand, I've come to two things. The first is fear and the second is hatred. With fear, police examples, they shoot first through fear of what a black man can do to them. When it's a white man, they're a lot more understanding. For Brexit, they want to halt immigration because they're scared of immigrants becoming terrorists or taking their jobs. 
during Trump's reign and the Make America Great Again era, this was all proof of it. Some black people supported him because he made their lives better financially and in other ways. But when you look across the board for the entire black population of America, this wasn't the case. The hatred aspect is a lot more aggressive usually. The Holocaust is a clear example where Hitler hated the Jewish people so much that he massacred them. Black men, women and children are lynched in America through the hatred of their skin colour. And white fans will racially abuse footballers because of the hatred of something that's happened in the game. Incidents are up 50% in a year in a nation where people claim racism doesn't exist. These are just a few examples that support what I'm trying to explain. And I might be wrong. I might be completely wrong. And if you feel I am, again, please let me know and let's discuss. But from what I've seen and what I've experienced, these are the only two factors that cause racism or the only two reasons that people have conveyed their racist thoughts and acted discriminatory against another person that is completely different to them. And all of this led to the strong support of the Black Lives Matter movement. So the movement is responsible for one of the most powerful protests in recent years, where cities around the world were protesting about racism, saying enough is enough. And despite them working and clearly fighting against inequality, there are people that believe in the conspiracy theories explaining that BLM is an organisation based on violence. Let me explain some of these. I'm not sure how many of you know about George Soros, but he is a billionaire and he is a funder of the protests and was a target for these conspiracy theories where people said he funds fake rioters to go out and create chaos. And it also claims that he funds the Antifa, who are an anti-fascist, anti-racist political movement that use both peaceful and violent means to protest. Apparently, he paid for busloads of Antifa rioters to join the protests with the writing on the bus reading Soros Riot Dance Squad. Now my question is, would he really, if he was funding them, knowing what the backlash would be, would he really put on the side of a bus his own name explaining that he's funding them? There's lots of disinformation being spread, all baseless with zero connections to BLM, yet people are still believing in the conspiracies. The most frustrating part of the entire movement actually was the response from those with opposing views. That is that of white lives matter and all lives matter. Yeah, they do. We've never said they don't. We are all for it. And this is proof that those people that say white lives matter and all lives matter have no understanding of what we're trying to say. Because we're not saying they don't. We're saying black lives matter also matter. The reason this is so frustrating and so important is because we need the support of those that don't have to face these injustices. We need that support. We need that help. When we're struggling and when we're being violated and persecuted based on our skin colour or our religious beliefs, you won't be. And there are loads and loads of people that are standing up and using their privilege to defend us and we need more of that because that's the way we are going to come to some form of equality. 
Again, to reiterate, this isn't just supporting black people that are being racially abused. This goes for all people of all skin colours and all religious beliefs. And yes, that includes black people racially abusing white people. That needs to stop and you need to call it out. And this leads on nicely to what can be done to help. Now, I'm not an idiot. I know that I probably won't see equality across races and religions in my lifetime. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. We can still make a difference in our lifetime for us. But more importantly, we can make a huge difference for our children. And that's the key here. Our ancestors fought for what we have right now. Our ability to live our lives, to go where we want, to do what we want. That's because of the perseverance and the bravery of our grandparents, our great-grandparents and our ancestors in slavery. So what we now need to do is replicate what they did. We need to fight for equality and we need to make sure that our children have a better life than what we do. And to me, I think the key here is education. So we can continue the fight for our generation but the fight is fruitless if the next generation doesn't understand how to act and how to behave and how to treat others. So what you can do yourselves is educate yourselves so that you can educate others. Read up on historic and current issues that minorities and ethnics have faced. Don't downplay where we've said something is offensive and you don't understand it. Simply ask us why it's offensive. And I know people can overreact in certain situations when something racial is brought up. So just speak to them and try and understand their point of view. Explain your point and come to a conclusion that you both understand. The key one here, though, is call out those who are racist. Friends, families, governments, companies, everyone. Try to explain to them why their actions are wrong. And some people I understand are so lost in the source that there's no point even trying. Cut them off. I've done that with friends and family recently. Loads of people have done the exact same thing. Let them segregate themselves. They want to be divisive. Let them divide themselves. Keep the conversation going though. It's gone quiet recently. Instagram, Twitter, everything. It's so quiet when it comes to the issues that we're facing. It needs to be spoken about more. And that's the only way something's going to happen. Because when we all spoke up, when the masses spoke up and when the masses supported the movement and the fight for equality, people listened. The police listened. Governments listened. Companies listened. The media listened. When it goes quiet, people aren't listening and they realise they can get complacent. They don't have to do anything because we're not making them. And while the political leaders and so forth, they have the power to act and they don't have to listen to us, we have the power to show them how they need to act. Whether they listen or not is a completely different story and that's a completely different action that we then need to take. But our part is making sure they hear what we have to say. And that's why we need to keep that conversation going. 
This isn't just directed at those that aren't subject to racist abuse. This is at those that are. What we need to do is educate ourselves as well. We need to educate ourselves so if we're stop and searched, we know our rights, we know how to act, we know what the police are and aren't allowed to do. When it comes to the workplace, we need to know what's in our contracts and what our rights are with regards to it, so that if we're unjustly fired as a result of our skin colour or religious beliefs, or if there are any racist incidents towards us in the workplace, we know what the company should be doing and we know what our rights are. We need to know how to defend ourselves and we need to know how to fight back. Because our own ignorance and our own naivety and our own lack of understanding in these technical areas are the reason that we've been taken advantage of for so many years. If we educate ourselves and understand what we need to do, we remove that. We stop them from being able to use that as a weapon against us. And we're able to fight back and defend ourselves. And on that point as well, we need to educate our sons and daughters. Because they are ultimately the ones that are going to lead the future. So they need to know how to treat each other. And this goes for everybody in the world. They need to know how to treat each other, how to respect and love themselves so that when they are subject to this sort of abuse, they know that it's coming from ignorance or hatred or fear and that it's not true. And that is the way we can build society in the future to respect different cultures, different races, different ethnicities, different beliefs. Because if we continue on the trajectory that we're going, nothing is going to change. And this is going to be the way society is for our children, our grandchildren and so on. So on the previous points, I've used words like fight back and uh, defend ourselves and so on. Just for emphasis, this is simply hyperbolic. This doesn't need to be physical at all. It should not be violent at all. This can be done via our education, via our own intellect and via our own motivation to make things right, not through the use of violence. So there's obviously a lot to digest in this episode. There's potentially a lot of controversial views and opposing views, let's say. So again, as always, if you have an opposing view, please hit me up on at Kels Talks Podcast on Instagram. Let's have a discussion. If it needs to go to a phone conversation, I'm happy to do that as well. The whole point of this is to get people talking. We need to talk more about what's going on in the world. And with this specific topic, the conversation cannot die. It can't. If it dies, then the future is lost. We need to continue to talk. We need to continue to educate. And we need to continue to understand. And that is the way we will get to equality in the future. I hope this has taught you something you weren't aware of before or helped you see things from a completely different perspective. Until next week on Kels Talks, stay safe and keep learning. Thank you.